Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hello, hello. Richard and Linda Iyer here. We're enjoying being in touch with you again as we are every week, talking about relevant issues to your family, your marriage, your parenting, sometimes your grandparenting. We enjoy doing this week, and we're broadcasting today from St. George, Utah. Many of you know and have spent time in southwestern Utah, the Red Rock country. We love it down there, especially in October. Well, especially because we came for the senior games. You probably would have mentioned this without. Oh, <laughs> I'm I not sure no, about I wasn't that. going to mention that, Of Linda. course not. You mean, do you mean the world senior games? That's what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. We come down every year, and this guy has got a box full of heavy metal from all these fun, especially tennis. This year, we've, well, you did the triple jump, too. But tennis, gosh, the gold and doubles and the silver and singles, wow. That's... Well, now, the real story is the the... the... <laughs> the gradual decline. I used to enter all kinds of events. I used to enter the 100-yard dash. I used to enter the broad jump. I used to enter the basketball. I used to enter a lot of things. Now it's just kind of reduced down to the two Ts, tennis and track, and only one event in track, and that's, that's the triple the jump. Event, triple, that's the other T. Triple jump, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but it's great. It's great to see people continuing to try to compete. Uh, there it was is. There was a 90-year-old fellow uh, doing the triple jump the other day. He didn't, didn't go very far, but he, he did get the gold medal because he was the only 90-year-old entered. <laughs> he was so great. He just kind of tottered up to the line and then just did three big steps as much as he could. And it was two meters and two inches, I think. But bless his heart. That's fantastic. One reason we're especially excited to be in St. George, Utah today is because we're coming back. Later in the month, there is a wonderful conference. It's called the Family Roots Expo. And it's, as you might guess, about genealogy and ancestry and family history. narrative and a family history and we get the honor to be the keynote speakers on the 28th of October happens to be my birthday yeah good way to spend your birthday talking about ancestors and how powerful it can be for children to know where they came from literally to know their ancestry to know stories about their ancestors this is a tremendous creator of resilience in children we've talked about that before but Anyway, if you happen to be near St. George, Utah, the end of the month in October, join us at the Family Roots Expo at the Convention Center in St. George, Utah. Has it occurred to you that we're ancestors? We are not ancestors. Dear. You have to die to be an ancestor? I think you have to die to be an ancestor. I, don't, you, I you think can, we need to look up that definition. Well, we're grandparents, you know, and then definitely. you become great-grandparents. For our great-grandchildren, we don't have to Eventually, you become that. ancestors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not only is it, I mean, this is a little aside, but not only do you need to tell them stories about your ancestors, you also need to tell them stories about your own parents and your own life. Kids we're, we're, love to hear about your life. I think life. we're progenitors. Are we progenitors? We better look that we up before look we up do the next radio words. show. Yeah. But today we want to talk about something that's really on our minds. It's on a lot of parents' minds. And we call it, we're call we calling the show The Education of Your Child or Your Child's Education. 
boy, does that occupy people's minds. As, as many of you know, the reason this show is called Ours on the Road is we're constantly traveling throughout the world, giving lectures and presentations on parenting and marriage and life balance and so on. And one of the things that I can testify of, and many of you know this, the concern for children's education is just growing ever more pronounced. I mean, especially we, we were in Asia recently, and I mean, those parents will go to unbelievable lengths to get their children educated, to get their child a degree that they believe will ensure their future. And I guess what we're going to do today is share some views on on whether this is overdone in the minds of a lot of parents, whether they put too much emphasis on education and maybe sacrifice too much and build too much of their own self-image and ego around where their child goes to school and, and whatnot. But also we want to try to get into a little of our view of what really does matter in education. What, what does matter in education of your child and what doesn't matter as much as we sometimes think it does. I'm going to start off, though, with this extreme example. When we were in Korea, we, we found that it was not just an exception here and there. It was a fairly common thing to have. Well, among the upper class. Um, among, the, among the upper middle class, it was a fairly common thing to have mothers move to the United States with a child, a young child, a child sometimes in, in elementary school, sometimes in secondary school, to, and, and, and disrupt their family, split up the family in order that the mom could move to the United States with a child, get them in a prep school of some kind, and work toward getting them into a prestigious American university. And there's other things that happen like that. There's there's people spending a high percentage of their income trying to help their kids learn English so they can come to an American university and get a prestigious degree and so on. It almost, and of course, you've all heard of the cram schools in, in Japan and in other parts in of China Asia. Too. In China, where kids get out of school and then, and then go to another school, a cram school, for four or five hours every night trying to get ahead, trying to succeed. Now, some would say... Well, what could be better than that? I mean, what could be a better emphasis to have with your children than education? Don't we all want our children to have the best possible education? Well, it was interesting because when we were in Korea and we talked to those parents, they were so committed. And we were at lunch. I'll never forget this. We were at lunch, the table of 10, and we just mentioned that our that three of our daughters had gone to Wellesley College in Boston, and they're they were dumbfounded. They, they were, their breath was taken away. It was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. How did you do that? How did you do that? Because the, apparently Wellesley is a big, big deal in well, Korea. It's a, it's a noted women's and, college, but we also mentioned we'd had a son at MIT and a daughter at Harvard, and they were like, oh, that's our dream. That's what we want. That will ensure our child's future. And I don't think that we ever <clears throat> sent our children with that thought. We just wanted them to have a good education, a good liberal arts education. So I don't know. Everybody looks at it a little differently. And, and part of it is the culture. I mean, you know, our American culture is not very, not totally education. Well, it is, it is in some areas. In I mean, some, you, you yeah, go to parts of, parts of America and people are doing exactly the same thing. They'll do anything 
There have even been some articles about cheating on SAT scores by parents and other ways to try to get this child into a prestigious now, wait, university. Now, the no, parents no. cheated on yeah, SAT? Yeah, there have been there have been interesting news stories. How did they do that? Stories. They didn't take the test. No, but they've they've tried to jimmy the results and so on. What wow. I'm what I'm saying is that there is just a uh, a tremendous um, premium on getting into a great university or backing it up, getting into a great prep school so you can go to a great university, backing it up further, getting in a good preschool so you can, you know, read, learn to read early. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is what a parent, well, let, let me be a little critical again. This doesn't apply to everyone, but Sometimes parents use it as part of their ego, you know, my son who got into Princeton or my daughter who, you know, uh, succeeded and was valedictorian. I think we should be proud of those of things course, as parents. Of course we should. But when it becomes too big a deal so that if someone doesn't get into those particular schools or doesn't make the honor roll every term or whatever, we begin to worry, we begin to have conniptions, we begin to think that, you know, there's no hope for this child. And of course, what's really happening in education, and this is sort of the other side of the coin, is there are so many ways to get an education now, online education. There, there are schools that aren't prestigious at all that still do a pretty good job. Some community colleges do a great job. Some vocational schools are better for some kids than some oh, main university. And, and I think I'm just saying we need to back off a little and look at our own children and say, what are the gifts of this child? Is this child really, does this child have a skill set and an intellectual set that, that we should really be doing everything we can to get him into Harvard? Or does this child have gifts in other areas and we should relax and not focus everything on academics? Boy, it's such a fine line, though, because you see children that have the capability of being excellent students and they're just not interested in studying. And I think that's where parents really um, hone in on what are we going to do with this child? I mean, it's, it's no different in Utah. It's so difficult to get in BYU, for example. My gosh, it seems like you have to have a 4-2 and a... <laughs> And all the honors classes and all humanitarian service and perfect scores. And and it is just so scary because so many people would love to have their children go to BYU, not only for the cultural experience, which is important, but um, because it really is a a fine school in many areas, it's the best. And honestly, it's really, really difficult not to pressure your child when you can see they have the capability of doing it. So here's a sort of a contrarian view, and I may overstate this just for effect. Um, We think that it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference where a child goes to elementary and secondary school. In fact, some people who spend an arm and a leg to get their child into a prep school a private school or send them off to boarding them. school when they're 10. Yeah. That will prepare them and get them into a, a prestigious college. Sometimes that actually works against kids in an interesting way. I mean, all of our children went to East high school, which is a, a school we love in, in Salt Lake city. But when you look it up on the rankings from one to 10, in terms of how well it prepares kids for college, I East high, 
gets a low score. I better not mention uh, you better the number, not say because I don't but know it's exactly, low. But it's low yeah. And there are a lot of schools like that, and, <laughs> and yet we loved East because it's very diverse. Our kids made a lot of interesting friends. They had they had lots of interesting and, and great opportunities in an extracurricular way in music and in drama and in sports. And here's the bottom line. We feel like wherever your kids are going to school, their education really isn't dependent on the school and that school is not in charge of their education anyway. You as the parents are the ones where the actual buck stops. And a family that has their kids in a mediocre school, but it's convenient and it's all they can afford or whatever, can make all the difference just by how they supplement that school, how much they help kids with their schoolwork, how much they motivate them. All the studies, as many of you have seen, show that the single most important factor in how well a child succeeds academically is not the school he's going to, but the involvement of the parents. Absolutely. You know, it, there's so many interesting things that we can talk about. And we actually will come back with some specific ideas of, of how you might think about this for your own family right after this. Break. How to look at your child's education right after this short break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back today. We're talking about education as it pertains to your family because we realize that every family is different, but we're just tossing out a few ideas here about how important is it really and how much should you push your child and how well do you know your child and so that you can get them directed in the right direction. And I think the bottom line for us is balance. You know, I think our responsibility, our stewardship, if you will, as parents is not just about getting them good grades and, and getting them an education and getting them into a good college. Those are all important things, but it's also about teaching children values. It's about helping children to feel well adjusted, to have a strong self image. It's about helping them discover their own gifts and what they're good at. I, I think some of the best parents we know really focus on saying, you know, some kids are better at you at certain things and you're better than them at other things. Life is a balance. We're trying to find out what makes you happy and what are your best gifts. I think one of the most fun things about raising children is to see how their passions pop out as they get older because yeah. they, you can't, you can't expect that you know what their passions are going to be. It is so fun to see how they gravitate to what they really love. Um, I was just thinking during the break about being in Central America somewhere and we went to dinner at a country club with uh, some parents that we'd had a uh, discussion with and um, they had a son who had they had playing chess because they thought chess was the best education this child could possibly give as far as lateral thinking and the way he um, looked strategy at life, the strategy and, and everything. So and but it was so obsessive. I mean, the little the child was there with us and he didn't seem a bit interested in chess. But they had him there six hours a day working on this chess after school. They had these chess 
things until dark. I don't even know how he did his homework. But we did see the most delightful movie the other day about a little girl in Uganda who did have a passion for chess and did not have a very and a, and a gift supportive for mother yeah. at first, but a true gift. And it was, we really recommend, it's called Queen Katwa, I think. It's, it's, it's a, a wonderful new movie. New yeah. movie. Um, it's a Disney movie. Just about how children follow their their passions. And that is true. I mean, we have three or four fabulous photographers in our family. And you're a good photographer, but I don't ever remember talking about photography when our kids well, we were didn't. Well, we didn't push them into photography classes or anything. I think what Linda's saying is really important. It's, it's, you know, we run into parents who are trying so hard to expose their kids to everything. So they'll have them in five different kind of music lessons and three other kind of lessons. And they're on four or five different teams. And the parents are running themselves ragged trying to get them to everything. And and they say, well, it's because we've got to help them. You know, we've got to we've got to make sure that we they've don't miss some everything. opportunity. Yeah, they've they've got got to know. And the fact is, just relax a little and let kids sort of follow their own dreams and passions. And you'll be amazed how what Linda says is true. They, they will gravitate. What they need from you as a parent is encouragement to try things that they want to try, not to try things you want to try. There's this syndrome of you know, my son, the quarterback, my son, the doctor, my daughter, the lawyer, where, where parents get it in their own minds what they want their kids to be or what would be an expansion of their own ego, or their own passions, and fail to say, wow, wait a second, this child's very different from me. I better be sure I'm really getting to know this child, not as an extension of me, but as an individual, a unique individual. Well, you know, we have one son who really could not learn to read. He just could not get it. His mind did not work that way. And we had him uh, with special teachers in elementary, and he was trying so hard. He was giving himself horrible headaches, and we took him over to the university and tried to figure out what to do. And he fi- he finally came around so he could read all right. But what we realized is that child grew up is that he was a visionary. He thought he is so right brain. He's also an audio learner and an audio learner. And he now listens to audiobooks. He's probably the best read child that we have in our family because he reads everything. He knows everything. It is absolutely amazing or listens to everything. He, you know, I realized that the day uh, I was kind of always mad at him because he's a little bit late for getting ready for school. And I was really mad at him one morning and I said, okay, get in the car. I mean, just get in the car. And I raced out of the school. I screeched into the front door and opened the door and said, go. And he said, mom, did you see the sun shining on that water in the manhole cover on the way down here? <laughs> I just went, That's oh when you my gosh, that, this he child was a, He was a right-brained, aesthetic-oriented I mean, another example of that, I mean, you say we had a child that had a hard time reading. Our first son, who I'd waited for for a while because we had two daughters, our first son came along, and I I just saw him as a potential basketball player since that's what I was. I put a basketball in his crib. I thought he'd just rub up against it and start getting the feel. And, you know, we lived in England at the time, and I drove him one night for two hours all the way across central London to see a basketball game because they're rare in London. It was at Wembley Arena 
And uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to expose this three-year-old to the great game. He wasn't the least bit interested. What he did like was the scoreboard. He was looking at the scoreboard and he said, Dad, why do those numbers keep going up by two? <laughs> and that number in the middle keeps going down by one. So he's looking at the scoreboard and the clock for the game. And the only way I could even get him to watch the basketball was to say, do you want to know what makes those numbers go up by two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, watch. When one of those little guys down there in the short pants throws the ball in the basket, those numbers will go up by two. So his little head was bobbing up and down the whole time. And my point is, as I was driving home late that night through deserted central London, I was thinking, and, and little Josh was asleep on the seat beside me, I was thinking, you know, this is not me. This is not, this is not a little me. This is not a little mini me with my interests and my skills and my ideas of what matters. This is a unique little boy who has gifts that I don't have. And it wouldn't surprise you because of the scoreboard yeah. example that he grew up to be a computer genius. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about how that plays out in their long long term because this son is 42 now and he is a computer genius. He's absolutely incredible. He's also an astounding elementary school teacher. And if he Which found is not what I had in mind. Not what you had I, in thought mind. I thought he'd make some money in life. <laughs> oh, but he just has a wait list that's unbelievable for his class. And and our other son, who I really thought, because he could not do some academic things, that I, I just, how are we going to get him through high school? How are we going to get him through college? So, so do you see that? Well, wait, wait. Yeah. But then the bottom line is, he envisioned going to a first-class school and getting a great education, and he just got his master's degree at UPenn. I mean, really, as a child, I would never this imagine. This is back to the one with the learning difficulties. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, so the, I hope what's coming through here is be a flexible enough parent to see education in its broadest definition. Education for your children is not going to be measured entirely by whether they get straight A's or what university they get into or how they measure up on the dean's list. Uh, it's going to be measured on how well you assist them in becoming confident in their own unique abilities and in finding what makes them happy and finding their passions and in gravitating towards things that really matter. Now, in some kids' cases, that may mean you put all your eggs in the basket of academics and getting them into a great university. With other kids, it may be something where you see a different gift, a different skill. But the bottom line in any case is that the parents are the ones where the buck stops for education. When we gravitate into thinking, well, you know, the school is in charge of their education. The no, education system is what... I have to rely on. That is not true. You are in charge of your children's education and the school will help in certain ways. We've talked on this show before about, you know, if the school teaches your child reading, writing and arithmetic, the three R's, who's going to teach them the other three R's of relationships and of responsibility and of right brain learning, creativity, goal setting, the ability to fashion a strategy in their lives, the ability to prioritize things. Who's going to teach those things? That's 
the part of education that always falls to the parents. And the schoolwork, if, if you're a parent whose whole focus is, how do we get you an A in this class, this term, maybe you're gonna miss watching that child. How does he learn? What is he good at? What does he gravitate toward? How can you sort of bolster and notice what he needs help on in order to be a well-rounded individual. Well, we have to remember, though, we're speaking to some parents who <laughs> are disappointed in what their children have done, who right. have gone down a different path than they had planned for them, but a very different path. And it really is difficult to come to grips with that. We don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip here because, as we've also said many, many times, kids come who they are. Some come with that inner drive of this is what I want to do. And some just don't. And you can do all you can to try to motivate them. And it's really, really difficult. And another part of it, frankly, is seeing your child's general, broad life education sort of in segments. Um, Again, this is just our opinion, but we think maybe there's a little too much early academics in many areas where people are insisting on getting their kids to read by the time they're three years old and so on. Uh, other parts of the world, it's very different. As you may know, in some parts of Europe, um, kids don't even start organized school till they're eight years old because the, yeah, the philosophy is maybe, there yeah, that they, they, start they, older. they need yeah. a childhood. But for what it's worth, we, we feel like the, the goal for preschool kids is teaching them joy, teaching them the social and emotional skills that allow them to enjoy being children, to enjoy friendships, to enjoy their bodies, to enjoy the earth and so on. And many of you know about joy school. Then we think as they get into elementary age, the real goal for parents is teaching them responsibility, responsibility for their attitudes, for their behavior, for their choices, for their decisions. And then as they get into high school, we think it's more about teaching them how to find their gifts and how to be extra centered rather than self-centered. And the only reason I even dare mention that, that sequencing is because, as many of you know, you can go on valuesparenting.com and sort of see this sequence of what to focus on with kids at different ages. Right. And there is something specific for each age, a lot of stuff, actually. But I do have to kind of wrap up the show by saying that we are so excited. We mentioned this earlier on a show, too, that in Scandinavia, now they're starting to do classes in high school on empathy. Maybe Ms. middle school. Middle school would be the best. I think it was middle school. Anyway, can you imagine a class yeah, at East High empathy. on empathy? I mean, how much would that cut down on bullying and, you know, really difficult things that are going on with relationships with kids in high school? They're really teaching how to have empathy for other people. I'm so excited about that. It really is progress. We're getting a lot of questions lately on what we're doing for grandparents, because many know that our latest book is a book called Life in Full. And so we're going to spend a little time next week on the show talking about some lecturing and things we're doing locally in the, in, the, in the Intermountain West to try to help grandparents be more proactive in being a part of raising their grandchildren. It's always fun to talk to you. We love being here once a week on Ayers on the Road. See you next time. <laughs>